Hey, what's up? This is MP Radio. Always make progress, and we are your hosts, Shankar Bhattacharjee, Fractal Biomechanics on Instagram, and and I am Sean Astorga. This is the official podcast of AMP's mentorship program for rehab clinicians and fitness professionals, where we help you differentiate yourself by getting your clients more long-lasting results. So Ray, what's going on, man? I'm glad we could uh, get on here to chat today. I feel like we've been talking like, you know, for the past couple months like this. Uh, so it's always good to, to hop on these. Um, so would you mind telling our audience a little bit about who you are, uh, what you do, and your uh, big mission on this uh, planet Earth of ours? Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. I, I agree. I feel like we've uh, we've taken our relationship from zero to 60, right? Very fast. <laughs> But it's great to it's great to connect with you and just be able to keep having these conversations. Obviously, uh, we share a lot of similar thoughts in kind of the the progression of the industry and and what we're both looking to do. Um, so yeah, I'm Dr. Ray Gorman, physical therapist, strength and conditioning coach. Um, say my journey kind of really started in like 2008 uh, when I kind of actually started lifting in the gym and not just bench pressing. Uh, I started doing CrossFit and kind of becoming a little bit more well-rounded. Um, and then like many PTs, um, I actually had my own injury. I tore my ACL, went through the rehab process, and I didn't realize it then. But um, at the end phase of my rehab, I remember going into PT and being like, why? Like, why am I here? Right? Like, what am I doing here that I can't do on my own? Um, because what I'm doing at the gym is harder than what I'm doing in PT. And like, I didn't realize it then, but that was like the first planted seed of this like digital realm. And this, you know, just give me a program and let me go execute it on my own. Uh, went to PT school, graduated in 2014, and then made it in like the traditional outpatient realm for about like two years. Uh, started dabbling in the cash-based industry. And I saw a lot of the same problems for me personally that I ran into when I was in the traditional model where it's like, I'm still locked into this visit one-to-one and how can I make the experience better for my client who is already doing so much exercise? Like they don't need another hour of it where I feel like a lot of times in the traditional model, it's like, that's all that person's getting, Right. So my client didn't really need that. So what I started to do was I started to blend my journey. And I went to, uh, at that time, I went to 30 minute visits. And then I sold what I now call a prescriptive exercise program. And that was kind of the start of this blended model for me. And uh, now I teach, you know, coaches and clinicians, like how to operate this within their, within their realm. Yeah, that's awesome, man. We're definitely going to get into to that yeah. and exactly uh, how you do that. Um, I always like to hear about um, like people's backgrounds. I think there's a lot of like lessons in it. And it's always good to know who you're you're speaking to. So was the um, when you had the the ACL injury, were you a PT at that point, or you were that was still strength and conditioning? You were still strength and conditioning professional. Yeah, well, I was actually still in college at that point. So okay. um, I was actually I was coaching. I was coaching CrossFit. I was uh, I was also a tech at a PT okay. clinic. So you know, like like I think a lot of PTs as well, like. I almost enjoyed being a tech more than I enjoyed being a PT because like I got to do all the fun stuff. And then when I became a PT, it was like either do the fun stuff or stay another hour and a half to finish my documentation, which yep. sucks. And so you get put in this, 
this situation of like sacrificing the thing that actually got you into the, the industry. Um, and so for me, like that just wasn't a sacrifice I was going to, to make. And, and I had this epiphany one day walking into the building. It was like probably like, you know, 6.15 in the morning, getting there early to do some notes from the night before. And I was like, am I just going to walk into the same building every single day for the rest of my life? Like, is this the path for me? And it just kind of like started to shift my world a little bit. Yeah. Awesome. That's uh, I'm sure very relatable for a lot of people who are listening and it's definitely relatable for me because it yeah. was even in people, like my clinical rotations, a lot of it was like, well, this is definitely not what I want to do. Still valuable learning experience, but like, you know, <laughs> so you what, know what, what did you, Oh, no, go ahead. I, I was going to say, like, I feel like this is something that we talked about uh, last week as well, but like, I feel like people say that model doesn't have a place in healthcare but it kind of does. And so yeah. what I don't want to do is I don't want to just say like, this is the only way healthcare can go. Like there are plenty of people who do not need one-on-one service, cash-based service, because like the things that they're looking to get back to that model can solve their problem. Now, yeah. from a customer service perspective, can it be better? Absolutely. But that's almost every model. So like, this isn't just bashing the the traditional model it's saying like we have to understand everybody's limitations and know that there's a certain avatar for each model that that i think people kind of get stuck on a little bit yeah yeah there's always pros and cons and it's always what what problem are are you solving and for who right it's always going to be the the question right we're just talking yeah our experience right that's it you know i just know personally the people i wanted to work with and uh, it just wasn't going to work, right? In that, in the, in the yeah. sense that, uh, you know, at least the experiences that that I kind of had. So, what made you become um, want to go the physical therapy route versus staying in the strength and conditioning world? Um, good question. I think probably a little external pressure, um, societally, right? Like it just felt more of the like this is the career path, and I think when you're like 18, 19, like you don't really know what the world is yet or what the world is going to be. Uh, you know, you don't really know how to make money. You maybe don't really have a mindset yet shaped around what's the trade of going into like an employee role versus an entrepreneurial role. Um, And so, you know, I I originally wanted to go to med school uh, and then you get to college and you're like, man, like, you know, eight years from here, like that is a long time. And at 18 years old, like I just, I wasn't emotionally and mentally ready to make that jump. Um, And so allowing myself to kind of mature a bit through college and then get into PT school was a good, a good route. And uh, I wanted to work with athletes, right? Like that's like what everybody says. And then uh, I actually started working with athletes. I worked in division one athletics and then you realize, well, hold on. It's actually not athletes that I want to work with. It's the characteristic traits that the athletes that I want to work with have. And that was like a game changer for me in avatar. Yeah. And that's such a good thing. I think for people, people to hear, cause I was the same. I was like, yeah. I'm a, I'm an athlete. I've played sports my whole life. Like I want to work with athletes, but it's really like, like, like you said, those traits, like I want to work with that person who's super motivated and excited. Yeah. Right. So like, just like get back to like the things that they care about and they're going to put in the work and put in the effort. And I learned it the same way. Like I got my first 
PT job after school. And I'm like, this is like my dream job. It was like a sports performance, like PT hybrid facility. Yeah. Uh, great, great, great first place for me to, for me to work. And I learned a ton, but I've quickly learned, okay, cool. I'm working with all these NFL guys. Like, why don't I, why don't I really like enjoy working with all of them? Right. It's because some yeah. of them, they didn't, they didn't give a shit about PT. Right. But then you had those totally. other ones where they were like all about it. Right. And I was like, okay, this is, this is the person, this is like who I need to be working with. Yeah, I remember I was, I went in and kind of shadowed and worked with, um, you know, one of the guys at the facility that was like, literally like the all-star of the school. And it was like, this guy doesn't want to be here. (laughs) You know, like this guy doesn't want to be here. And that was kind of like a big, a big shape of the experience for me. And then you work with some of these, you know, the, the athletes that were more kind of like the middle of the pack. And they're like, no, I got to get back and I got to get beyond the level that I was at. And that, that happens in the injury realm, but it was a super important experience. Um, and you know, it just, that's kind of why I fell in love with like the CrossFit niche was like a lot of times these people have refound like their health, right. They've refound their community. They are, they are now something that is very important to them has been taken away And the way that the traditional model was set up, like they didn't really have the things that those people needed to get back into what they wanted to do. And I was able to take a lot of the stuff that I learned in sports medicine, which I'm super grateful for that experience. Um, A lot of tendon health work and a lot of return to sport work and say like, how can I just integrate that into a program for a CrossFitter? How can I integrate that into a program for a runner, a power lifter, an Olympic weightlifter, a, a field athlete? And now I could take my system and just kind of expand out of my niche a little bit, but keep the framework the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. We actually, we tweaked our, um, like our little, like our marketing language a little bit in our clinic and we added the word motivated. That's all we did to our like tagline yeah. and the number of people who are like, would, would say how that resonated with them. I'm like, wow, it's so like in my head, I didn't think about it. I'm just like, okay, it's literally just one word. Like, let's just test it. And then like everyone would comment on it, you know, like, yeah, yeah oh, I'm a motiv- I'm a motivated like person. Like that's me, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah. shit, wow. It's like marketing. Who knew? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One little, one little language tweak. And, and now you're actually getting the person that you yeah. want. Right. Cause I think that's the problem. A lot of people have is they, they do these marketing things and then they get the wrong avatar and they're like, oh, well, what we did didn't work. Yeah. Well, there's so many variables that you can play around with before you make that decision. Test, retest, man. Just like clinical, clinical exactly. care. <laughs> exactly. Um, when you worked in uh, outpatient, um, can you talk a little bit about that? Like the type of setting, like insurance ne- in network, out in network yeah. and like things about, you know, that yeah, experience. So, so my first job was just pretty traditional outpatient orthopedic in network. Uh, we saw two patients an hour. Like it wasn't really bad from a volume perspective, um, I think we had a really high uh, customer service client experience criteria, right? And like for me, uh, when I was, you know, 18, I had worked in the casinos at uh, Caesars Palace in Vegas. So like customer service was like a big part, obviously down there, right? And now seeing that actually happen in healthcare was part of the reason why I resonated with the clinic that I was a tech at, which I then, you know, became a PT at. Um, But what ended up happening was it was just like, man, I am just not really seeing uh, a client demographic that is like exciting me, 
Like I'm just not seeing the people that I want to develop my skill set around skill set around to serve. And what I was noticing was like, I just wanted to be in the gym. So then I went over to uh, the University of Nevada and um, worked at a company called Nevada PT. Uh, great facility, great people. We It was a little different than traditional outpatient because we had like the, you know, let's call it the, the traditional model, which was, you know, your general outpatient ortho in network. But then we also had a contract with the university where we would see some of their athletes, right? So any like overflow from the athletic trainers or more complicated cases or like some of the immediate post-op stuff. So that was a really cool, like different experience. But again, it was, it was always being limited by, you know, the, the, the traditional outpatient realm. And like, I just liked, I also realized I just liked being in control of what I was doing. Right. Like not that they were micromanaging me, but like, I just liked being in control of my schedule. I liked being in control of the the days that I worked. And there are only some mechanisms where you can get that on your own. And so that was kind of like the other transition, right? You got to learn these lessons along the way. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, in the the uh, two patients an hour, I found that volume was very manageable and people like yeah. did really, really well with it. Um, it was the three, the, the three that is like, it starts getting a little dicey because yeah. like, it's 20 minute slots. It's like, uh, they're running five minutes late, but then like that just throws up the, the yeah, trajectory of the whole day. Right. Yeah. Throws off um, your whole day. Yeah. And I did rehab once after a concussion, uh, at a, a place that they were three an hour, but it was on the hour that they booked. So three people came in at once that did not work well for her. Yeah. like that, that the OT Chaos. was doing my vision therapy. Like I felt so bad for her. She was great all over the place, like trying yeah, to like, was, manage everything. And it's just like, you're, a, what's she supposed like, to do? What are you going to do? You're yeah. operating within the constraint of, of that, of that business model. Like it just is what it totally. is, what it kind of is. Um, so what, what made you go out on your own? Cause you started a cash practice right after this. Yeah. Well, I, honestly, I started it at like one year out kind of on the oh. side. Right. So, um, I had, uh, taken a second job at a skilled nursing facility, you know, like they, that's how you make more money. If you go into outpatient right. orthopedic, you, you work in a different setting. And, um, at that time I, I did you know, home health. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody, everybody has that story. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I was making 50 bucks an hour there. Right. And I was like, all right, sick. So if I start my own clinic, my own business, I can make $60 an hour and I can like set my own rates and set my own hours. And, uh, luckily I got a piece of advice that was like, yeah, that is not, the price point that you want to be at, right? Like that, like the value, I didn't, I honestly, like I said, I didn't understand the value equation then. I didn't have sales skills then. I literally just had this fulfillment skill set that I was still honing in on this, this physical therapy skill set. Um, and I could use that to my advantage, mostly because I could speak the language of the people in the gym and I could start to equate like why we were doing some of the things that we were doing in a way that made sense to them. Um, So I started at, you know, 90 bucks a session. That was great. And then you kind of see the classic like volume going up in one realm. And then it was like, okay, uh, I'm going to leave my full-time job and I'm going to go work part-time at, you know, the, the other outpatient clinic I worked at. And then I boosted up my sniff hours. Right. And then 
my clinic started to get busier and then that started to drop down. And then it was like, Hey, do you want to go full-time here? It's like, actually, how about we start transitioning out, you know, so you guys can actually hire somebody that's going to be long-term for you. Um, and so that was kind of the transition. And then being able to, to implement the digital part was, was really like huge for me. I was working with a company where everything we did was digital and saw the limitations of that model. I was, you know, working with the traditional uh, therapy realm, which was all in person, saw the limitations of that model. And so it's like, this is the, like, this is the way for me. Like this just makes sense. Just makes sense. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, and it's, it's, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I, I think people will can appreciate those stories because I know for me, especially people in our mentorship program, a lot of people see like AMP, like our clinic, right. And performance rehab as it is now. And they see the end product, but they don't, mm-hmm. they don't, they don't know the journey, right. Everything that got yeah. to the point where we can say like, okay, yeah, we're hiring two admin staff just in case one doesn't work out. So we could have that flexibility or we're hiring marketing staff or we're looking to hire a new PT. It was not always like that. It was sure. like, Holy shit. What the hell am I doing? I'm not, I know I'm not happy with my current circumstance. Like I'm going to kind of figure it out. And then there is a period where you just kind of have to, to figure it out. <laughs> Well, I, I started this in, this was 2015 when I started my first clinic. So the cash PT realm was really like just starting then, right? Like there were a few big players in the industry, but like everybody was starting to figure it out. And now what you're seeing, you know, eight years later is that the, the ones that are starting to make it, they, they have their fulfillment dialed in. And so the biggest issue that I tend to see is like people start selling a traditional physical therapy setting at a cash price and then start to wonder like, why isn't my client seeing the value? Well, you don't actually have a product to fulfill on that has a big enough differentiation from the insurance realm. So you're having a hard time explaining what the difference is. Your client's having a hard time seeing what the difference is. And like, it just doesn't match the value differentiation when all you're saying is one-on-one as the value driver. The, the other big thing for me, and I think a lot of people will resonate with this was like, every day I like, I was working, I was just in a mismatch of what I really wanted to do. Like that was like the, when I like look back at the macro, it was like, yeah, this isn't what I want my day-to-day to look like. Like going into the nursing home, it was like, this isn't really the, the person that I want to help. Like, no, there's no judgment if that is like, it just, that just wasn't for me. That wasn't like the knowledge that I wanted to gain and how do I get this person better or get this person out of here? Like that just wasn't what I wanted to fill my brain with, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's a huge point. Um, like the taking the in, like what you're doing in like the in network. And again, I don't want to make it like we're bashing in network, but no. taking that and, and making it and then just charging cash rates. Yeah. Cause you, like really it comes down to, again, the same thing is like, what, what problem, are you solving for your, your client, for your avatar, right? Yeah. They have to see the value. Like, is it time? Is it speed to results? Like there's so many different things that people, people care about. And it's not just my shoulder hurts. Like, sure. They care about that, but it's like, what does that mean? You know, in, in the bigger picture for them. And, and I think being able to get to that point is where you can start to really uh, differentiate yourself from, you know, in network place down the street. Yeah. Everybody says, sell the result, sell the result, sell the result. Well, if you're selling the result and traditional insurance clinic is selling the result, the differentiator becomes the process. 
So I always talk a lot about, yeah, sell the result, but highlight how your process is different to get the result. And I think that that's a big piece that people kind of ignore in the fact is like, well, I'm just talking about the result. Well, okay, but your client is perceiving, but I can go get that result over there with my insurance. That's the problem. So yeah. what's the differentiator along the way? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. When I was, uh, when I, during the, the pandemic, when I first started full, I was full-time with, uh, with AMP, our clinic at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, shit, I need money and like home health contracts at that time. Like mm-hmm. you were making like 2,200 bucks a week after tax. Cause of like the stipends, yeah. like it was insane. And you're like, all right, I'm going to do this. Uh, I took a 13 week contract. And after like the, uh, one and a half weeks, I was just like, not even worth it. Like just, just to yeah. your point, what you're saying, right. I'm like, this is just not what I want to do. And sure. Short term, like this is cool, but this is 40 hours that I'm away from working on the thing that I actually care about. And it's like, I think it's hard to sometimes like, you know, you get to that point where you're like, okay, money, I need money, obviously. But right. also it's like, I'm trying to build this thing from nothing. Right. So it's like, if I'm dividing my attention and chasing those types of things, I mean, it just, it just makes it so tough. It just made me think of that when you were talking about like, you just we're in that situation where it's just like, does this even matter? It's not what I want to do. <laughs> Dude, it's it's really sad what you yeah. see in the profession of the self-sacrifice because the outpatient orthopedic world in general is the lowest paying PT setting if you're going to go the traditional route. So what you end up seeing is people go into a, a different setting to make money because that's what their degree allows them to do. Instead of saying like, how do I learn a skill that generates me more money so that I can actually use the the knowledge and skills that I want? And that skill sales, right? That skill is marketing. Just like you learned how to be a physical therapist, you can learn how to have sales conversations. You can learn how to create an avatar. You can learn how to tweak your marketing. Like these things aren't unobtainable just because They're not like physical therapy, but they probably require you spending money, which if you don't have, it's going to be difficult for you to invest in to get the skills so that you can get the money, right? So you have to take these calculated risks and understand that they're not actually risk. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great perspective. It's like, uh, they're skills that can all be, can all be learned. And you think about what like the financial and time investment to become a physical therapist in the first place. You're what, I don't know what my program was in-state program, like 70 K, but some do you're over your six figures. Yeah. Right? I went to, to get that school. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. I don't want to, <laughs> but right. So yeah. it's like, it's like you, 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 you invest that, that amount of money and time for an entry level education, right? A generalist education. And then it's like time now, like I got to learn these skills, communication yeah. or sales, right? Sales. And I got to learn marketing and I got to learn all these things, but all right, 5k for a program, too much money. I can't, I don't have 12 weeks. It's like, all right, well, you know, we got to reframe that a little bit, right? Because this is not just like, I'm going to give you 5k and become an expert. It's like, no, you're going to learn a super valuable skill that is going to change the trajectory of everything that you're, you're doing, even if you don't even own your own business. Right. Yeah. So it's just like that reframe, I think is helpful for, for people. Yeah. You have to start making decisions like the person that you want to be. Yeah. Like that's, that's just the, that's the biggest different differentiator in a mindset shift. Like I used to consider myself a slower processor when it came to decision-making. And then I started to realize that that was holding me back from taking action. So now it's like, 
if I know something can help me, like I have become a value-based buyer, right? So it's, it's easier for me to help people reframe their decision-making process away from cost because I used to think of the cost. Now I think of the value. So now I can say, you know, Shauna, well, I, I used to think like that too. And here's what used to happen. Now I think like this and it's allowed me to do X, Y, and Z. And now we're bonding over that, that shared fear. Like people just get scared when money gets involved. And if you don't expect that there's going to be some, some tension and some hesitation when you ask for money, you are going to spike up your adrenaline levels and you're going to put that person even more on edge and you're not going to be able to get them from a 10 down to a two in order to help take them across the finish line. Right. Yeah. So that's a whole different skill set, but like, here's, here's the difference for me now too. Right. I can always look back and say, well, if I wanted to, I could go take my license and go generate revenue for myself. Now I personally feel like that has a lot of opportunity cost for me of just using my license to generate revenue. But it's also like, I have a sales skill set now where now, no matter what happens, I know a process to generate revenue for myself. It doesn't matter what I would be selling. I can take that skill and make it transferable. Like to me, that's recession proof. Yeah. Like it's, it's again, it's just a mindset shift. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Um, can we transition to your current business? Um, and if you don't mind just speaking to your, um, your current business and how you're basically helping physical therapists with all the stuff we just kind of talked about. Yeah. So one of the things that you had, you asked me in the beginning was like, what's kind of the mission behind, uh, engage movement. And, um, I don't think I really gave you an answer, so I'll, I'll kind of lead off with that. Um, but yeah, basically engage movement is the revival of my first brand. My first clinic was called engage movement physio and performance. Um, and now, you know, then it was like, let's keep people moving, get people moving, like kind of that sense, the, the physical sense. But now it's more this movement of, you know, coaches and rehab professionals that are looking to push the profession forward in a new and kind of innovative way of saying like, look, the status quo is dying and the, the, the space is evolving. And so we're a movement of fitness and rehab professionals that are taking control back into our own hands and saying, this is the best way that we want to manage clients. And that sometimes means using your in-person skills. That sometimes means doing everything digitally. That sometimes means getting them, you know, blended right from the start. Um, So what we basically do is we teach kind of an operating model that allows you to integrate a digital mechanism into your in-person program where you're no longer tied to your schedule to generate revenue. Yeah, that's awesome. Would you mind speaking a little bit like more in depth about like what that the kind of program looks like? Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's talk about the problem that it solved for me, right? Is like when, when I was working for somebody else, 40 hours, that was eight, 10 hours of my day trading time for money. When I went to the uh, cash-based realm, that number went down to like five hours a day, but it was the same problem. So I still felt similar limitations with just less of a energy expenditure to need to get there. 
right? So really what, what we do now is we teach, we teach basically from the evaluative process. Well, we teach before that, but we teach how in the evaluative process, the data that you're going to capture is actually going to become the program program that you're going to deliver virtually or digitally. So we position it as increased access, increased touch points, so that it feels like you're in therapy three, four times a week, but really you're only having one in-person session per week, but now your, your value gets 4 x right? Because if, if in the cash-based realm, I mean, you guys are pricey, right? That'd be almost $1,000 a week. Mm-hmm. Like that wouldn't be realistic. So if we get can get a mechanism that trades those other two hours a week or three hours per week, and I can get the same result in one hour per month, right? That's what our, that's what our system teaches is how do you get all this, all this outcome for one hour per month? Well, now you actually have a scale mechanism that scales via process. So we teach it in a way that it's very time effective for the, for the coach or the clinician and it allows you to three, four, five X what your typical in-person hour would generate. Yeah. No, that's great, man. And like we, um, so we, we currently, we don't have a, a digital component to what we do. Um, but what I can say, speak to in that sense with the touch points is through our CRM, right? Like people, like, like they love it. Like the, just the ability to like, literally just like text us a question. Like, is this cool? Like, is this good? Is it okay if I do this? Like those, those like little things are such like an important factor. Um, and just like the client's experience and like their comfort level with just working and the actual outcome that they're getting. So I can just only imagine with your, you're adding something like this, um, like to the process, I just can't see it doing anything, but it's positive, right? Like the upsides, all the (laughs) upside. And for me, like, you know, where I started to, to really think about this in the, in the realm was like, I'm getting all these questions anyways. And I think it needs to be a valuable part of the service. Not going to lie. I started to feel like a little resentful towards the model when those questions were popping up. And that was partially because I didn't set good boundaries with my clients of, I gave away too much access. Right. But then it was like that access is such a valuable part and I want it to go beyond my in-person sessions. And I don't want there to be another conversation that makes another buying decision, right? That was yeah. another like mechanism for me. So it's like, okay, if I can get this person on this digital program, what I call a prescriptive exercise program from day one, and I can layer it that like, Sean, this is going to go beyond our in-person work together where you won't actually need to come into the clinic, but I will need three touch points per week in order to give you a, a meaningful amount of programming volume so that you don't hit all these, you don't fall off the cliff of, I feel good. And then I re-injure myself. Right. So what we basically did is we lengthened the time horizon that we worked with our clients. We changed the mechanism by which we worked with them, but we solved a different problem. So it's, we're no longer in the like synchronous feedback. I need to see how you're moving and make decisions. It's uh, we just need to build training volume. And I don't think you need to be in front of me for, for me to do that. Yeah. And my clients loved it. 
right? Because it was so different from any other experience that like that was kind of the game changer in getting their outcome was the return to sport part, the reconditioning part, which took place in their own facility. Yeah, that's awesome. And then um, from like the like PT practice owner perspective, can you speak to maybe um, how this might help with uh, like the lifetime value, right? Of uh, a client, for example, yeah. something along those lines. There's actually two lifetime values that I think it helps on. I think it helps with your client lifetime value. I think it's going to eventually help with your staff lifetime value. Um, One of the, so let's talk about the client perspective first, right? Um, If, if we are adding a six month digital programming mechanism, what that basically does is it almost can almost double your lifetime value, right? Because now we're taking the timeframe, we're spreading it out. Let's just say, I think for a lot of people, kind of average lifetime value would be, let's just, let's use plan of care value. I think that's an easier number to grasp. Um, let's call it 2000 bucks, right? A lot of people are kind of at that two, $200 per session for a 10 session as kind of their standard. Well, if we're now adding $1,800 in recurring revenue that starts on day one, and we're saying it's a minimum of six months, that gives us another 1800 bucks in revenue that we're generating. Now you're also then going to have clients that are like, Hey, I really like this. I like that your, your role is simply writing the missing needs of my program and helping me navigate because no program is perfect and helping me navigate decisions that are longevity based in my training. Right? So I always look at it as like the need number one of the program is whatever the client is looking to do. Okay. So like, you know, for example, if they're a runner, they got to run a lot. Need number two is whatever supports the longevity of need number one. So I think we know for runners, it's strength training. So if I was working with somebody who was only doing endurance sports, my prescriptive exercise program for them would be, you know, tendon health based programming to make sure that they could sustain the amount of volume that they're looking to do. Now, the other trend that we're seeing or that I'm seeing is one, I'm seeing PTs that used to be in the traditional realm, two, three, four years, starting to have conversations around eight months to a year of of clinical practice of starting going their own thing. I'm starting to see people where it's like, I wanna be able to work from home. I wanna be able to work from anywhere. I want to be able to generate more revenue in less time and not see more patients, right? And so we kind of have this model that is constructed of, well, if you want to make more money, it's simple. You either charge more per client or you see more clients. Nobody's really saying, or we add in a mechanism to serve our clients in a different way that actually supports their goals. That's where engage movement comes in. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think of like, right. I need more patience. I need more patience. Right. So I got to get better at marketing. It's like, all right, cool. Probably. But also like, what about the patients you have? What about the client base you already have? What are you doing? Right. All marketing is geared towards getting right front end. So you're getting people in the door for physical therapy, but then what are you doing to like nurture that person, keep them in your world. And I think this is another, like just a great option. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, what are some of the, uh, like the common issues you see, um, 
people when they try to implement like a digital aspect to their business who have not worked with engaged movement? Great question. Great question. Um, The first thing is that it looks too similar to a home exercise program or they're already doing this and giving it away for free and it, and, and it's burning them out, but they don't actually realize it. Right. So they're spending this time working on a product, but then they're charging in a fee for service, direct trade for time model. So that's creating burnout because now they've just created more work for themselves. They're saying it's bundled in, but then what happens when your in-person process stops? You kind of lose the mechanism for that, right? So that's kind of like the HEP problem. I don't know how to differentiate it from an HEP. And obviously we, we teach how to do that. Number two is the way that they are explaining it is too close to a fitness program. So we are mm-hmm. not teaching any, we're not teaching coaches. We're not teaching clinicians how to write a fitness program. We're teaching them how do you write a prescriptive exercise program that supplements a fitness program? Because a lot of the avatars of the clients that we work with are already going to Orange Theory, CrossFit, you know, whatever it is that they're doing. So when we're like, oh, well, I could write a program for you. I could write a remote program for you. They're like, well, I already get that. And now they're already confused, right? So we need to get ahead of that objection in our presentation, the way that we position the offer uh, when we're putting somebody on a plan of care that includes a prescriptive exercise program. Um, And then the third is like, they don't actually have a system to do it. So they've literally traded the time that they would be working with the person directly for the time that they'd be doing something digital. And a lot of people will do that with um, you know, either Zoom calls, right? Like we, that's not what we're teaching. It is an asynchronous model where a Zoom call is a synchronous model um, or it's taking them like an hour per week and then they're actually making less money. So we always yeah. have to kind of have those conversations of we got to make sure that we're time efficient with this or it, or it doesn't work. Can you um, just quickly define synchronous and asynchronous? Yeah, yeah so Anything that's going to be like a synchronous type of management is where you and your client are involved in working together at the same time, right? So your in-person sessions are a synchronous style of management. If you are doing a virtual session on Zoom or you're doing something like telehealth, the that is still a synchronous management. The only barrier that it breaks for us is the need to be in a physical location to work together but it doesn't solve the time problem. Asynchronous management is I am going to send you this this program that you're going to execute. You are going to give me feedback, which I'm going to interpret before I make the decision of your next workout, for example, or your next iteration of that day. And I think when we're navigating injuries with people, like PTs tend to think, oh, I need to be able to make decisions on the fly. Like, if you truly believe your clients are as resilient as you say they are, then that's just not true, right? Like, are there moments in that? Yes. But then you need to structure your process so that you have some, some fail safes of like, if something flares up, send me a message. Don't do your next workout. That's a really easy way to just protect yourself from any sort of thing. Otherwise, 
let that resiliency kind of come into play and let them make some decisions that actually teach autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We actually, we have that kind of built into our, um, like our, our model uh, at AMP. And part of it is, is exactly that is autonomy, right? Like give them the guidelines, the guardrail, set them up so that they can, you want to talk about resiliency. You want to talk about outcomes for patients, like making them somewhat self-sufficient so they can make, have the tools to make a decision. Right. And I think that another thing about this model that I really like is, is that as well. Well, and, and I have worked with clients all over the world and obviously some of them I've never even met and Mm -hmm. just through the right program and manipulating the right variables, we were able to get them back to high level sport, high level gymnastics, high level weightlifting, strongmen. Like it, it really didn't matter when you have a solid strength and conditioning background as your base or a solid um, strength and conditioning framework within your model, like you you are unlocking a superpower that allows you to deliver a program to get a result similar to you would, you would get in person. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And you kind of touched on this too. I think it's, it's good to just, uh, we'll hammer this, this one home too, but the difference between remote coaching, remote programming, and what you're describing. Yeah. So I think a lot of, uh, this part is, it makes me kind of sad is I start to see PTs like give up on the PT stuff and go into like the online coaching realm. And like, look, if that's really your passion, go for it. Uh, like you should do that. But I see it as a similar, like what you said about why you went into home health right? Like you're literally changing what you do to, to try to mask the situation that you're in instead of figuring out how do I just leverage an opportunity that makes, that makes me feel good about my, my job, my role. Right. So we're not, what what I found is if you're going to do a pure custom program for a client, like a fitness program, I'm talking full custom, right? Not a template that you tweak, that's, that took about three, four X as long as the way that we teach structuring a prescriptive exercise program. Now there isn't, there's not a direct trade-off with it taking me four X as long and me now being able to charge four X the price point just didn't work. So we do teach, like, if you want to create a fitness product, a fitness offer, we do teach how to do that in an efficient way but you'd be selling a prescriptive exercise program would almost operate as like your custom strength and conditioning. And then your fitness offer would kind of act as like this. um, I I, want to say template, but with customization, right? The, the biggest difference between the two is I think you can get specific fitness results with a general program. I think that's harder to do sometimes with strength and conditioning. Um, but that's also potentially a limiting belief on my part. Now, keep in mind that I'm not talking about like specifically for endurance athletes, right? I'm talking just kind of like general fitness. People want to do like everyday things. I think we get down the specificity rabbit hole a little too much when it's like, how specific are we really looking to get for this person? You know, like, like does general actually get us specific here now? the higher up the, the rung of athleticism you get, no doubt. But that's also why those people are paying 
thousands of dollars a month for coaching versus hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. And then um, lastly, on just like at a high level, what does your, like someone wants to work with you, what does that kind of look like over, you know, period of time or however that works? Yeah. Yeah. So right now we basically have it structured where you kind of go through a group based uh, 12 week course and um, you, you consume the inflammation information there. Uh, and then you bring them to a call and we kind of, you know, chop it up and, and see where you're getting stuck. And then on the back end, um, we do work with people on a one-on-one bi-weekly basis. Um, again, I like to have things that give me best of both worlds. So it's no surprise that my business is set up as a blend of, of group coaching and in-person or, and one-on-one, right? I, I have my time efficiency mechanism and I have my time inefficient, but high value mechanism. So like I always talk about, it's kind of practicing what I preach, right? In that we can get really good results, but I just have not seen, uh, I think people, I think you can get good results in just group on that back end part of our offer. Uh, but I just also can go really deep with my clients and we can talk about things that they probably wouldn't talk about in uh, a group setting. And so I find that super valuable. I understand the limitation. I'm totally okay with it. I will figure out a way to compensate for that um, when we need to. Um, but I think the other thing, the lesson in that is like, you don't always need to sacrifice the thing that you believe in to do something that's more efficient. Sometimes you can understand your bottleneck and just build your business around your bottleneck. Cause there's always going to be a bottleneck. There's always going to be limitations. Um, and I think a lot of times what I see in entrepreneurs is like, they're so insistent on removing the bottleneck but that bottleneck might be like a core tenant of what makes your business unique. Yeah. So you've got to kind of balance the decision-making around that. And like, for me, it's just understanding that that will be a scale limitation. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's a great point. It's like uh, the way we talk about it at, at, at AMP is like, there's always going to be a problem, right? It's like, what problem are you okay with? Right. Yep. It's insurance versus cash. Okay. What's yep. the problem that we're, we're good with, right? That bottleneck's going to exist. It's just like, it's, it's what makes us, it lets us do what we want to do. So it is what kind of what it is. Yeah. Um, Ray, so if someone wants to work with you, what is the best way that they can uh, get in contact? Yeah, man. Um, Instagram is definitely my most active platform. Uh, Ray Gorman DPT. And then from there, you know, you can opt into our free training, which we host on engagemovement.com. And there's also a link to join our Facebook group. If you want to uh, join the conversation there, all of that's in my bio but you can find all of that at Ray Gorman DPT on Instagram. Ray. Awesome, man. Um, last question. Is there anything yeah. we didn't talk about that you think, uh, the audience of AMP just needs to hear? Um, <clears throat> one thing I want to leave you with is like, don't settle for the advice from people that haven't taken the risk that you're thinking about taking. Um, it can be really like mental gymnastics when you have somebody that you trust who you think is a good source of information, but maybe contextually not for the things that you currently want to do. Um, and so if you are talking to somebody who, you know, 
has a nice pension, worked for the same company for 50 years and had a great boss and had a great work experience and bought a house, you know, back in the seventies and it's paid off. Like that's just not the reality that we're in right now. And so get, get your advice from people who have done the things that you want to do. And that will shape your perspective a lot better, a lot better. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful way to end it. It's like, I love my parents. They've never run a physical therapy practice. They have never run a, a clinical mentorship program. So it's like, well, I value their advice. Like, and I'll listen to what they have to say. I know where it's coming from. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> let me find the people who are doing what I want to do at a higher level. And I'm going to, I'm going to learn from them. Ray, that's awesome, man. <laughs> Thanks for your time, man. Um, yeah, Sean, thank and, you for having me, man. Yeah, of course. And uh, I'm sure we will, we'll be speaking soon. Sounds good.